Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, I've got Johnny Taylor on the show today. Johnny tours all over the country doing stand-up. He is a storyteller comic, and this is a fantastic episode. Johnny is a writer for The Hard Times. His Twitter account is Hipsterocracy, and it is quite popular, so check that out. He is the host of The Hard Talk with Johnny Taylor, which is on the Hard Times Podcast Network. And this is an episode you want to listen to to find out the very different ways that comedians approach the craft, because Johnny is way different than most of the people I've talked to. That's really what this show is about. You listen to the techniques, the advice, everything that is given in a particular episode, and you get a couple nuggets, and you try it. And you keep trying it until you figure out it doesn't work, and then try something else because there's no rules. Just do whatever you want. Now, I have started a new thingy for the podcast. I don't know what else to call it. I'll just call it a thingy. It's called Is This Anything? What that means is I'm going to bring a joke to the table, and my guest is going to bring a joke to the table, and we're going to talk about it. This is a joke that's not quite fleshed out, maybe just a premise, but we're going to talk about it and see if this is anything. I really enjoyed doing it. I hope you guys like it. I would love some feedback on this. So the is this anything is towards the end of the episode. I really enjoyed it. So give this one a listen. It's a good one. Scott, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I have to say that I was listening right before we started here. I was listening to your Amy Miller episode and I'm a fan of hers and I like the way you podcast because you don't mess around. You get right into it and there's no small talk, no fluff. It's an actual conversation. And that's exactly what I love in a podcast. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's real easy with Amy because I've known her forever. So, uh, you know, just like two two old friends having a chat. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not always uh, super easy. I'm sure you know when you're talking to somebody you don't really know, and uh, you know you want to do like, okay, like what's this person all about? But you know, with Amy, and I've had so many people that are just friends of mine on the podcast, but uh, it's not always as natural as the Amy Miller episode was. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, do you ever do you ever have some that there's just absolutely no chemistry and you you don't know how you're going to get through it? Um, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple <laughs> where, you know, I, I won't mention it. Well, I will. I, it's not that we didn't have chemistry. It's just, uh, you know, I would say, you know, one thing and the person would just talk forever. So hal sparks who's super funny uh-huh. and a very nice person but man did he just you know an hour and 30 minutes of uh 
of talking. I get it. He's got a lot to say and he's just super comfortable talking into a microphone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at some point you want it to be a conversation, not, you know, yeah. Uh, so the, I mean, that wasn't the easiest episode for me just because I didn't get to have the stuff I wanted to talk about because you would take one subject and talk about it for 25 right, minutes. Right. Right. I've, I've had a few of those I, and you are, I think maybe you're my hundred and thirtieth interview and I want to say there's probably six that I really hate that, that I, um, right. I would take down if I could, but they're up. So I'm just going to leave them up. Um, yeah. Immortalized. <laughs> yeah. That awkward moment immortalized forever. Yeah. And maybe I'll listen back to them when I want, if I, uh, do too well and I want to put myself back in my place. But, uh, <laughs> um, right. one of the things I wanted to get into, uh, right off the bat is, you mentioned on Facebook that you got to do a run through of your new hour, um, coming up yeah. for your next did, album. I did it last night. Yeah. And this is something I like to talk to folks, especially if you've made a couple albums and, and really this would be, um, your, your third, uh, and, uh, cause, yeah. uh, tangled up in plaid and bumming with the devil. Um, both very good albums. I listened to both of them, but, uh, the time it takes to get that hour, I wanted you to kind of break down what you have had to do to get to the point where, okay, I'm ready to work this hour out now. Yeah. I mean, so I actually recorded a third album in Austin at the Velveeta room. Uh, right before the pandemic, I think September of 2019. And uh, I was not in a great place uh, mentally. Mm. And I was dr I was very drunk during the recordings. And it's funny, the, the recording came off like a really fun live show. Uh -huh. uh, but it wasn't uh, necessarily something I would want, you know, uh, immortalized uh, <laughs> for forever. Uh, especially since I really, uh, you know, to varying degrees i like my first one so much i never want my third one to be like oh wow he's really fallen off the rails uh, -huh. uh <laughs> so uh you know at some point i might release parts of that record as singles just because there is some really fun moments in it uh, -huh. uh but the panda so uh, i i kind of had decided i didn't want to release it when it uh i listened back to it and uh, told my record label stand-up records that uh I didn't love it and I'd rather just record, uh, record again. So I was planning on recording again that summer, uh, of 2020. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, you know, uh, someone's going around. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, not a lot of live shows. So, uh, about 25 minutes, 20 minutes of this new hour is stuff that I was working on, uh, that was going to be on the last record. And then, you know, I just, when stuff started opening up, I just started developing a bunch of new bits. And so kind of working on them 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And uh, I tore Posein, so I would, you know, I was doing 25 to 30 a night. So it gave me a really good chance to kind of iron a lot of these bits out mm. you know, because I had a real, you know, real big chunk, you know, feature set that I was able to, to work on the bits. Uh, but now I'm getting to a part where, okay, I got these bits and now I have to make them, uh, you know, feel, uh, you know, congruent together over the course of an hour, you know? So I'm in that 
uh, stage where I'm just trying to work it out as much as I can. So I've got quite a few hours uh, coming up over the next couple of months, and I'm hoping to record again sometime in the uh, first quarter of next year. So, Yeah, great. <clears throat> now, as far as I went, I went as far back as I could on sets of yours that are on YouTube or anything like that. Um, right. So I, I watched one, I think it was uploaded maybe in 2012. Um, the um, colonic one. one. Oh yeah. That's a real, an old bit. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really liked it. And so I was trying to compare you from there to you here and as far as the way you present yourself and your your stage presence and your delivery and stuff like that, it looks like everything, all the changes are really, really subtle. Um, in 2012, yeah. you looked a little bit more scared. Um, you looked, uh, right. um, <laughs> you know, a, you know, a little bit more um, uh, keyed up and all that. And but it looks like you've stayed pretty true to the person who started stand up uh, from then to now. Do you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I would say I've always kind of been a, like an autobiographical storyteller. Mm. Uh, I just think back, uh, you know, when I was new, you know, 20, 2012, I was probably, I'd only been doing it for maybe a year and a half. Uh. Uh, so I, I always had like, that was my strength, but you know, I, I didn't have my beats down just, just yet. And, mm. uh, I think more than anything that's changed, I think I, I'm just a little bit, a little bit more confident, a little bit more sure of what I want to say. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's not a huge difference, but I mean, I I've gone through phases where I was like, maybe I'll try to do this a little more. Maybe I'll try to be more animated uh -huh. and it's just not me, you know, it just comes off uh, like inauthentic, you know? So the funny thing is, is I'm, I'm having the same crisis um, I, I didn't, I didn't start until I was 52. So, you know, I've got a long, you know, it's been six years. You were late. You were late in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I started pretty, I mean, I started pretty late too. I started at 33. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, in stand up is considered late, you know, I mean, right. I see these kids out there, uh, you know, the, everybody that opened for me last night was, you know, in their twenties or early thirties. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's a it's a kid's game but uh I, i'm glad i started when i did because i had at least i had some shit to talk about yeah know? yeah for sure and the um i mean you know your your life is definitely an interesting story in itself uh you know with the boxing and all that um however right. um you're a lot of your stuff is a lot of just day-to-day -day stuff so w one of my favorite right. jokes on bumming with the devil the one that endeared me to you was about the uh, atheist convention um oh yeah <laughs> and and i i have never identified more with a joke than that one uh oh well thank you and awesome. i Good to hear. i i thought about it for a long time afterwards i'm like you know what do they have to talk about for three days and right right it seems silly yeah do, do you still not believe in god yeah yeah uh so. yeah, yeah yeah i don't think he's real yeah okay, do, do you need either. a whiteboard to to do your right. presentation here? 
Right. It seems so silly. You know, I was there for, you know, the real story. I was there with Keith Olchinson, who at the time was the, uh, you know, one of the more well-known atheist comics in the country. And I, you know, he's one of my best friends and he really doesn't market himself as like an atheist comedian anymore, even though he is an atheist. But at the time he was uh, really marketing himself like that. I think some of his uh, people that were looking out for him were as well. And we went to this, you know, in Kamloops, British Columbia, we were there for three days. And I didn't go to any of, like, they were like, oh, yeah, come to the, and I'm like, I don't, why? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't think there's, you know, much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I just hung out in the bar, you know. Yeah, I, I think like I feel the same way. I, I joined one uh, atheist Facebook group, and it's, it's basically them pointing out the stupidity of religion i I, that's i mean that that's all it is and it's like yeah we kind of already know that so we don't yeah yeah i think that's part of it is it's it ends up being like a hater rally yeah yeah and the truth of it is is that you know i i mean i can't and no true atheist really consider themselves anything other than agnostic because we don't really know right exactly and so you know people are uh you know, people can hate on other people's beliefs all they want, all day long. I just don't think it's productive, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe and whatever, yeah. you know, it, it, ultimately, you know, and obviously organized religion, not to get on, you know, on the soapbox, but also organized religions cause a lot of problems mm-hmm. in the, yeah. in the societal problems. Uh, but on a day to day basis, if you, if I've spent my time giving a shit what people believed happened when you die, I would, you know, wouldn't have enough time to write material. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's so true. Um, so I, I know I'm getting my new in these bits, but you've got another one that, I watched through on YouTube several times just because I'm wondering how you grew this bit because it, I know it probably came from probably something very simple and you made a, a four minute, I think it was four minutes and 17 second bit out of it. And that's the grapes bit. Um, oh yeah. And <laughs> can you, and, and I'm going to put this in the show notes folks. So make sure you watch it because it's like the, I guess it's a perfect evolution of a bit because you've got everything. You got observation, you got um, misdirection, you got callbacks, you got the whole thing. And if you want to know how a joke's written, I think this one's perfect. So can you tell me the story behind that particular joke and how you got it to where it was? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's a melding of two, two different stories that I just kind of combined into one bit. Uh, there's a story about, uh, how I, uh, uh, I had to desperately pee in a grocery store and, uh, had a hard time finding where it was and had to ask where it was. And when I got to the, to the bathroom, I walked in on a guy that's like giving himself a self self affirmation in the, uh, in, and I don't know what he was talking about, but all I know is that he said that was really scary (laughs) in the, uh, in the bathroom mirror. And I'm like, what the fuck did I walk in on? Like, why is he scared and uh should i be concerned you know uh and so that was part of a of a different bit uh that i think i used part of it on tingle up and plaid mm-hmm. uh 
Um, but then the, the grape spit is really, I mean, it's, it's based in truth, you know, where this kid was in this cart and asked, just begging his mom to share grapes with him. And she wouldn't, but she kept eating grapes herself. And I was like, well, this little horrible person, <laughs> just share some grapes with your kid. It's like not a big deal. And, uh, then by the time we, we got to the checkout, you know, she disappeared. And my thought was, uh, I should give this kid some grapes, you know? And then I started thinking, what if I give this kid grapes and he has an allergic reaction to the grapes, I end up killing this kid. Uh, uh and so it turned in from, you know, the thought to, oh, I should turn this into a bit. Yeah where I actually give them the grapes, you yeah. know, and, uh, that's basically it. And then, you know, just tying the call back in yeah. where I leave the store and go to a different grocery store and, uh, end up saying that was really scary yeah. to, a into, uh, the, the bathroom here, uh, basically just incorporating all the things I like and stand up, you know, yeah. where it's taking a real situation, embellishing on it a little bit, uh, giving a lot of detail details that people don't uh, think are going to mean anything uh -huh. uh, and and then making them mean something at the end yeah so, it was uh it was absolutely masterful i oh thank you and it's just what it's one of those things i get excited about when i know and, and i i i had a feeling this was two distinct um situations that you were able to put together like that and right. um you know because I watch so much and, and I feel like I'm studying comedy all the time. And, right. uh, but yeah, the way cool. you put that together was just, it, it just hit so well with me. And I, I know it hit well with your audience too. Yeah. That one, you know, it's funny that one, uh, uh, usually does really well. There, there will be certain, certain crowds that, uh, have a genuine concern for the kid, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and <laughs> So you have to navigate that a little bit sometimes when you're, when I'm telling the joke and I hit the punchline and a lot of people laugh, but some people look very, uh, uh scared. Yeah. Concerned that I just murdered a kid, but, <laughs> uh, you know, and then I make it worse by saying, you know, he's, he was fine. I see that you're scared. Yeah. And then I say, well, I hope I dropped my shit in the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, which makes it just worse. For yeah, me. But yeah. I like that. I like to, I like to antagonize the audience to a degree. Uh, um, because I want them to remember, I want them to leave. Yeah. Remembering. Yeah. Bit, that, you know, that so. definitely was memorable that oh, I, I, you know, I can put myself cause you know, I'm a boomer. I can put myself in a, in a regular boomer. If I was, if I thought normal, like a normal human being and acted like I was supposed to, that joke would have been more shocking to me. And it right. would, I would definitely would have remembered just because of the kid, but um, you know, it's, it's hard to get into that state of mind when you're nuts. So, you know, <laughs> right. I'm relying, I'm relying on people, uh, to be a little nuts. When yeah. My, my act doesn't work as well. Yeah. Um, one, an, another thing, and I'm, I'm jumping around here. Another thing you just posted, uh, something on Facebook that I thought was really prophetic for new comedians. And, and the, what you wrote was you should quit now. If you think it's hard your first year, and you're not having fun. This isn't for you. 
Um, yeah. so, so let's talk about your first year. Was it fun? Yeah, it was the most fun I had devastated uh-huh. up, honestly. And I, you know, I was bombing more than I ever have, but, uh, you know, the first couple of years, you should be having a blast. You yeah. know, it's, there's no pressure. You're not talking, you're not thinking about the industry as much. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to make it really. You're just trying to get good at stand up and, uh, hanging out with cool, cool new people. Some of them, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, some of the worst people you're ever going to meet, <laughs> but because that's the thing. It's a club that everybody's allowed in. You yeah. Know, that's stand up comedy is, uh, you know, it, there's no, uh, there's no initial vetting process. Yeah. You show up in an open <laughs> mic and write your name down and you're going to get a platform. Right. It's just, uh, just how it is. Uh, but yeah, those first couple of years, you know, I, that was, uh, I think I did that interview a few years back in Austin. Uh, which I consider like a, to a large degree, one of my second comedy homes, you know, uh. they've been so good to me there. Uh, and I have a lot of friends there, but I was at a, a, some show and just hearing like overhearing these two comics complaining about like stand up, And I was like, I was like, how long have you been doing this? And they're like, uh, about eight months. And I was like, you should quit. Yeah. Because uh, if it's kicking your ass now, just wait until there's some stakes. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, people that complain about doing stand up their first year in, it's like save yourself a headache and find a new hobby. Yeah. You know, because yeah. this is, uh, it, it gets harder and it gets, uh, it gets, you know, right now I'm as good as I've ever been, but at stand up, but it's, uh, the heart, I like to travel, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like, you, you know, for the wrestling fans out there, uh, CM Punk recently just got in a bunch of trouble because, uh, you know, he, he shit all over his, his workplace, uh, at a press conference and he had a line where he said, uh, I'm old and I'm tired and I work with children. And that's how I feel yeah. a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I feel, and it, it gets harder. The older you get, it gets harder. It's just harder on your body. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm traveling, you know, every other weekend and I'm on a plane and I'm off a plane and I'm checking into hotel rooms and I'm renting cars and, or I'm driving for, you know, five or six hours to do a half hour. And, uh, this is, you know, if, if going to a couple of open mics a week and, and doing a showcase in your hometown is kicking your ass, mm-hmm you should probably reconsider, you know, some of your choices. Yeah. And do you think that, do you think that there's an impatience among uh, new comics sometimes that they just think that they should go further quicker or are they deluded or, you know, what's, what do you see? I mean, you kind of have to be, uh, you know, a little deluded Mm -hmm. to, even you're never going to make it if you're not right. You know? Yeah. I would say you, to be good at stand up, you got to like the smell of your own shit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you, 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 you have to be your biggest advocate or because no one else will. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, and I would say that this generation, like the younger generation of stand up, they should be impatient because there's people that are, you know, doing, you know, 90 second sketches on TikTok, oh. and and 
you know, a year later is selling out comedy clubs yeah. and you're competing with that. So you, you have to be impatient and, you know, it's, it's not the same now. I mean, I remember when I first started people telling me, you know, Oh, you're going to record an album. Like, good luck. You know, you don't have an hour. It takes 10 years to have a good hour. You know, mm -hmm. that was the thought process back then. Yeah. And, uh, so it was kind of already shifting then, but you know, you gotta, you gotta get going. You gotta, you gotta start making some moves early on because it's, you don't have time to waste because there's people that are less talented than you. They're going to get opportunities, uh, because they had a hook, you yeah. know, or they, 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 they got, uh, you know, they had a skit, you know, hit an algorithm, right. Yeah. And then, uh, now every single thing they do, regardless of the quality, gets a million yeah. views, you know, <laughs> so uh it's a di it's different now yeah and, and i'm not saying it's a bad thing i mean it's its own thing yeah you know and i agree with the having a certain amount of delusion about you is good almost everybody i've talked to that have seen any amount of success in stand-up at one point or several points in their life got put into something they weren't ready for but they did it yeah. anyway like they they got put into a feature set when they only had 10 minutes or. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's almost a rite of passage. Yeah. You can know, you, can you tell me about more time? Yeah. Can you tell me about uh, some times that that happened to you and what you learned about it? Yeah. I mean, I remember pretty early in my career, uh, you know, people trying to book me to do, you know, 20 minutes and, and I'm saying yes and being like, where am I going to get this other 10 minutes? Yeah. And, uh, I guess I'll do some crowd work. And that's another thing. It's like, I see newer comics that are always like, uh, well, I definitely want to get better at crowd work. I'm like, write a joke first, you know, yeah. don't like, <laughs> uh, you know, let's fucking, you know, walk before we run here. You uh, know? It's, it's not, uh, that's a tool in your tool belt that you acquire from, uh, experience you know yeah but i always tell people work on getting a good five together so that you could go into it get but for a showcase and do do okay uh but yeah there was plenty of times when i said yes to shows that i had no business being all uh and some of them went great and some of them didn't go great but it's you, you live and learn you know yeah and uh, uh if i had to do it over again if i change it i'll still probably do the show just to yeah you know, see what happens, you know? And I feel like when you get put into something, you know, I've, I've been in that position a few times when you get pushed into something like that, it creates this sense of urgency about making your act better and longer that you never would have done it if you hadn't been put in that situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no, uh, there's, there's no better way to test what you have uh -huh. and, uh, until you push it a little bit, you know, let's, yeah. let's see if I can, uh, let's see if I can see if I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I can write on stage. You know, that's another thing where it's like, you might, you may have 10 minutes that are solid and uh, another 10 minutes that you're working on. Maybe you, you know, maybe you go up there and try those things you're working on and maybe you come up with something really good yeah. while you're up there. Yeah, that happens I, a lot. I mean, I write a lot. I write a lot of my stuff on stage. Yeah, I and I I agree with that. And um, 
I, I was in a situation, I come from Indiana and I moved down to Huntsville. And when I moved down here, I decided that um, I'm not going to rely on everything being perfectly written out. And I'm going to take a few premises up there and sprinkle those into the stuff that I know is tried and true and try to see how those work without practicing them too much. And I feel like right. I got better by doing that, by being a little bit more in the moment. It, it wakes you up for the rest of your set and it gives you something to look forward to and, and all that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, and I think you have to, I, I do think, think that you need the stages where man, when you first start out, you just got to write, you got to learn how to write. You need, you need to put it on paper and write through it, say it, say it out loud in the mirror and then practice it and then cross out everything you don't like and redo it and do it that way. But I do think that once you, you know, you get, you get some decent bookend jokes that you can, you, you can hang your hat on, you can sprinkle in those things and they're, even if they don't work, you can bring them back around with, with something that you know is going to work. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you got some silver bullets. You yeah. Know? Uh, you got, that's the thing about, uh, any kind of set really, you know, even on my last record, yeah, I, I had these three real anchor bits, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, I knew those bits were really good. And then I had, you know, seven other bits that I liked, but I didn't like as much. Mm. And uh, those bits will do better based on the support they have of your other bits, you mm. know? especially opening strong with a bit or two that are really, really good. Uh, their point of reference is that you're good. Yeah. So they, they give you, they give you a little bit of benefit of the doubt. They go along with you on, a little bit more of an esoteric journey. Uh, and if you open poorly, I always tell people opening poorly is, uh, the, the hardest thing. Uh, it's the most likely thing to derail your set because their only point of reference is that you suck. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so even really good bits will fall flat because they just don't have the confidence in you. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, and a weird thing is, you know, you talked about the writing process. I've never written anything down. Really? I've, uh, yeah, not, not one time. It just doesn't work for me. So I'll have ideas and then I'll add to them on stage and then I'll remember them. And I like not, and it doesn't work for everybody. I know that there's, I think Marin is another person who never writes anything down. Mm -hmm. uh, but it keeps the bits fresh with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel way less like I'm reciting because I've never read them. You know, I've right. never read through the bits. <clears throat> they all feel, uh, you know, new to a degree because anything can happen. You know, mm -hmm. I can, I can go off script at any time because there's not one. You know? Yeah. How did you and Posein get hooked up? Uh, it's a fun story. I, uh, I was, so we have the punchline clubs here, which, they're technically Live Nation clubs. We have the Sacramento Punchline, San Francisco Punchline, Cobb's Comedy Club. And uh, everybody in the Northern California comedy scene is really trying to get past as a host mm -hmm. and then eventually as a feature and a headliner. Uh, <clears throat> so I was really, I was super new and I was just going to the Sunday showcase at the SF Punchline 
which is you go for six or eight months before you even get up. Mm. And then you finally get up and then hopefully, you know, the booker who was Molly Schmeeky at the time, uh, she would see you and then you would be able to, you know, hopefully get an audition and then maybe, uh, start hosting. And it's a big, it's a process. And, uh, it's just how it's their system. You know, mm. everybody that wants to do it has to do it that way. A little bit different now, but at the time when I was breaking in, that's how it was. And so I, I would go to the Sunday showcase and finally I got up. And I killed, I had a really great, uh, first set at the, at the showcase and Molly was there and she was like, Hey, can you audition this Wednesday at Cobbs? And I was like, Oh my God, I got to audition off my first time. And then I auditioned to Cobbs on that Wednesday. And then by the time I got home to SAC, uh, I had an email giving me dates with Moshe Kasher uh -huh. and I was like, all right, I got passed. It's incredible. You know, I was, you know, over the moon, a uh -huh. couple of weeks go by and, uh, she emails me and says, Moshe has to do a TV thing. Uh, so we have to cancel those dates. She's like, I'm going to try to find you some dates. And I was like, that's, that's cool. Maybe a week later, she messaged me. She's like, I'm going to have you host for Brian Posehn in Sacramento. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, great. Like I love, I love Posehn. Yeah. And uh, so I hosted that week and we, and you know, we ended up getting along. Uh, and he didn't have me start. Like we, we became friends, but, he had me do guest sets at, at Cobbs a few months later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then I, I, you know, I had a record deal and I started getting better started, uh, featuring a lot of places and headlining a lot of places. And then he just started kind of taking me out, uh, which has been great. You know, I've been with him most of his dates this year mm -hmm. and we got, you know, we're in Richmond in two weeks and, and then we're going to be, uh, back here in SAC, which is awesome. Do a little hometown. Uh, -huh. uh, gig at the punchline. Uh, but you know, I, I moved down to LA and, you know, I've since moved back to SAC, but when I was in LA, he was like one of the only people I really knew. So yeah, I would hang out with him quite a bit. You know, we just became friends and, uh, and you know, we put on a really good show. Our, our comedy works well together. Yeah, so I, I agree. It seems like you guys really, um, you complement each other very well. Yeah, and I think so. And I, th and because I'm both a metal and a punk guy, it's great to see a metal and a punk guy on the show. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm both. Yeah. Too, so. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And it's cool. We're just bullshit about music and, and horror movies and video yeah. games and yeah. wrestling and, and eat good food. And we always have a blast, but yeah, it was super, you know, accidental, but yeah, it worked out, you know, that's great. Now, You've got this, I'm going to come back to your, your, uh, new hour for the record. You got to run through that last night. Can, yeah. so I know that you take a real critical look at it when you're done with it. What do you, what do you like about it? What do you, do you think you're going to change anything? You know, what, what you're kind of in the afterglow of it right now. So what, what, what are you going to do next to make sure that that hour gets to exactly where you want it? Yeah. I mean, I've, so I, I had 30 that is really good. Yeah. You know, like, I know it's good. It's road tested. Then I got this other 30 that, uh, is it's very sharp. Mm -hmm. but uh i know the bits at least i know all the bits that are going to be on the record and mm -hmm. uh, i just need to 
chisel them down a little bit, maybe expand in some parts on those bits. And, but I think the other 30 is so good that, you know, whatever happens, I think it'll end up being a good album. You know? uh-huh. I think, I think it has some of my favorite bits that I've ever written on it, you know, uh-huh. grapes on it. And, uh, I got three or four bits that are really, you know, what I would consider anchor bits. Uh-huh. And then these <laughs> other bits are ones that, uh, I just need a couple months to, to work on. And I think they're going to be really good. Excellent. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I say yeah, last night it all worked, you know, uh-huh. I was, I satisfied with how I told some of them. No, but the jokes worked real well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was a real fun hour, but nothing didn't work, which is always your initial concern where something completely falls flat. Right. But everything worked pretty well. Um, and I, the hardest part is being like, do I have the jokes? you know yeah and i i have the jokes i might add one in just in case one doesn't go well during the recording i can swap it out Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i'd like to add maybe one or two different bits just so i do an hour five or an hour six and i can whittle down a little bit if i have to but i think for the most part you know i did just under an hour last night i did like 57 minutes and all of it uh, was pretty good. So uh-huh. I was encouraged for sure. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't need to work on all of them more. Right. I want it to be really good. You know? Yeah. Do you, um, do you videotape all of your sets? No, none of them. No. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't, the only time I ever get taped is when somebody just taped, was taping their set. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, I got your set. Do you want it? And I'm like, sure. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I should tape it more. And, you know, people were like, you know, asking me, like, do you listen to all your sets? And I, I don't. The last time I listened to like a full set of mine was when I recorded in Austin. Uh, and, yeah. and it's, I don't like to watch myself do stand up. I don't like listening to it. And I should, at least from like a critical editorial point of view, take more of an interest in it. But I just don't. Yeah. I don't care that much. I, I, I just want it. I like to record it, put it out for the world, see what they think of it and uh-huh. uh, keep it moving. You know, what's, what's the next project? You know, I, I have to say, I'm really glad that you just said what you said because I don't either. And everybody says you have to, yeah, I, I've you talked don't. to you're like I said, you're like the 130th I've talked to. And so many say, you got to record your set. You got to, And you, you know, some people transcribe them and I'm like, Oh, I, I, I don't love anything that I do enough. that I'm going to transcribe it. <laughs> no. And it's like, fuck you nerd you know like <laughs> really you're, you're gonna listen to you're gonna you're gonna listen to all your sets transcribe them word for word get yeah. a life dude. <laughs> how do you have time to have how do you have time to have fun you know no like, it's not that it's not that serious it's oh weird. man you you just you just made my day i good <laughs> i'm i'm so glad i asked that question a lot of ways to skin a cat there scott yeah <laughs> There, there is. And that's, you know, that's the thing about standup is, you know, once you adhere to a set of rules, you find out 
those rules don't work and and you, or are they do, you for do some something. People. i mean there's there's no rules that's the thing yeah yeah you know like uh i broke every one of them you know mm -hmm. like a million times and you know the hard fast rule i would say is don't steal jokes yeah yeah you know don't don't right. throw other people's material right um but even that's impossible to really quantify i mean there's so many comics doing so many like man we're treading a lot of the same ground here you know like I've had people in the scene that are like, you know, I've heard them talking to other comics and like, you know, I do a bit about basketball. I'm like, you can't fucking take basketball yeah. off the, like that's off the bingo board. Right. Of, yeah. Like what you can do stand up <laughs> on. Like you can't take a broad sub. Like, well, I do relationship stuff. So no one can do relationship material. Right. Like, yeah. Get, come on. Let's <laughs> calm down. And I think that comes through in your act, the fact that you aren't, you're not overanalyzing. You're not, um, I guess, overwriting um, because you've got kind of a patience about you that transforms to the audience that, you know, you don't, you don't have to get a huge laugh every three seconds. You know, you, no, no. you bring them along for a story with some good tags um, during that story, but they are interested in hearing what you have to say. So that puts them in a situation where when you say something funny, they laugh. And I, right. yeah, I, there's, there's a naturalness to the way you perform that it feels and I said, I've said this to a few comedians, if you are very good at making it feel like it's the first time you said it, like you're just having a conversation right. with somebody sitting at the bar. I always explain it. Like the best time you ever tell a story is, uh, if you're at a party or if you're like hanging out with some friends and like a get together mm -hmm. and something happened and you're, you're just retelling it and I always wanted to have that same kind of emotion, you know, and I was, I teach a storytelling class and I always tell my students, uh, you want them to fill the story, you know, mm -hmm. you want them to be, you want them to, it's like they're there, you yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, I am patient and I do wait to be, and I, I know that if they, if they pay it, if they, if I can keep them paying attention, if the story is interesting enough, it's going to pay off, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, you start building that trust with the audience where uh, they're like, I don't know where this is going, but I can't wait to find out, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and that's what my act is. You yeah, know? That's it what is. my act yeah. is about. I, I want them to not know what I'm talking about. And, and, and then, you know, the reveal is going to go to a place where they're not expecting. Yeah. And uh, hopefully not expecting. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's basically just using storytelling tactics and then also implementing Mr. X and callbacks yeah. and, yeah. you know, a bunch of stand-up tricks uh, to, to make it, you know, uh, it's really my, it's kind of my own style, you know, uh -huh. of, of storytelling. And that's something I, I kind of uh, hang my hat on is that not, not a lot of people do stand-up like I do stand-up. Yeah. And, uh, uh I think it's, uh, it's kind of what makes me unique, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely appreciate the way you do it. Like, like I said, your delivery, just your, your, your whole persona 
reminds me a lot of me because I've, I've cool, also cool. tried to be more animated and tried to uh, do all those things. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just kind of a stand there and say it type of guy. And right. And, right. You know, let, let the words do their thing. And I'm also huge. I'm six, five. So if I move around too much, I scare people. So you right, know, right. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. Want... I mean, I'm not, I'm not small either, you know, six, three, two thirty. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely, you know, built more like a linebacker, right? Yeah, a, uh, <laughs> a waste. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and it's not to say like I don't. I love like I love you know, people that are animated on stage. Oh, like some of my same. favorite, yeah. Some of my favorite comics are like I love Sebastian Maniscalco, who mm -hmm. is super animated, but also is really gifted storyteller. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, some of my faves uh, have completely, you know. I love Mitch Hedberg one-liners, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't even have a one-liner. I don't think at this point, mm -hmm. I think I did when I was super new, but, uh, you know, there's, I like it all, you know, and these are those people like my favorites. No, I, I'd still prefer to watch, you know, Maria Bamford or, uh, you know, I love Chris rock and yeah. Richard Pryor is my all time favorite. So, uh, I still probably my favorite some more storytelling type comics, but I, I, I like, uh, I like, I like a lot of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it definitely shows. So, um, I'm going to ask you if you want to be part of an inaugural part of the podcast called, uh, mm -hmm. is this anything? Um, okay. and it's a sexy thing. I like it. Yeah. And what I did is, uh, there's two reasons I'm doing this. Um, the first one is, um, it's totally selfish because I am, when I first started doing stand up, I wanted to appeal to everybody. So I was like super clean and I, 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 um, I wasn't true to who I am because right. I've got a whole bunch of anger in me about, uh, my generation and how we fucked everything up. So I've, I, I decided after I moved that, you know what, um, uh, I'm not going to be a star at this. It's, I, I'm a hobbyist at most. And if I'm going to go up there and do it, I'm going to say the words I want to say. So I'm changing every, I've pretty much ripped everything up that I used to do and, and oh, wow. start starting completely new. And well, now uh, you but, just say fuck the whole time. Yeah, I know. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the second reason is I've been getting more feedback in the last, couple months and I've gotten ever. And a lot of people are like, I just want to know how to write a joke. And I'm like, well, I've talked to 130 people about how to write a joke, maybe, maybe go back and listen. But I, I do want to maybe kind of pull the curtain back on the process and what you think about when you write it and stuff like that. So I've got a small one. that's really just a tag off of something else. Did you bring something? I, I, I have, so I could, I, I have something I could tell. Um, so you want to go first? Or you want to go second? I'll let you call it. Okay. I could go first. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. So this, uh, this is a thought I've been having, uh, it's not, you know, it's not even for fully formed, but, uh, do you think Michael Jackson was warning us the entire time through his album titles? Uh, now, for the, his first one, he he lobbed us a softball. Uh -huh. He just he called it off the wall. He was just like, "Hey, I'm weird. I'm a weird guy. I'm off the wall." Uh, he called us the next one thriller. 
Okay. It's like, Hey, maybe I'm scary. <laughs> maybe I'm scary and I'm weird. Uh, he called this next one bad. I'm bad. He said that hell of times, like really just trying to yeah. nail it in. Uh, call this next one. I'm not making this up. He called it dangerous. <laughs> I'm dangerous. He said that again, many, many times. He even had a song called smooth criminal on that one. Uh, and then of course his next one, which was, uh, I'm fucking your kids. <laughs> now, some people laugh at that. Uh, and the rest of them are pedophile sympathizers. Is uh, what I've, uh, what I've gathered. I'm, I'm giving that one an A plus because you, is that oh, something? Yeah. You totally got me with the misdirect on that one. Good. Good. <laughs> so my, looking my, on that one, that's, yeah. that's a new Johnny Taylor, uh, I, I, I love you. it. I, I absolutely love that. Um, so mine's super short and I'm going to say it the way I said it the first time. And as far as context, it's me kind of railing on uh, boomers and how they get stuck in their uh, music from days gone by, like REO and sticks and stuff like that. And don't okay. ever listen to anything new. So all, all they do is go to REO and sticks concerts and see cover bands. So, um, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's part of, part of a, a longer, a longer bit, but I wrote this and I felt like I was the most comedic genius in the world when I wrote it oh, I and I've it. said it a few times and I'm not getting much. And it's, okay. it, it's this, um, have you ever heard a cover band so bad that you had to rush home and listen to the originals to make sure you didn't have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I like that. And yeah. I've been thinking like about it. peppering it with more stuff, like making it actually making a little story out of it. Um, and I don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you could go a lot of places with that. Yeah. I, I feel like there's meat on the bone if I say it right, but I, I've tried it a few different ways and it's just like, eh. Um, but I don't know. It's just, uh, it's one I'm really struggling with because I love it and I don't know if the audience is ever going to love it. Yeah, I mean, you could pepper it with context, you know, where you're like, um, you know, set it up with a little foundation piece of like, uh, you know, I'm in my car and I turn the radio on or I turn, you know, my Spotify, you know, radio on whatever the kids are doing. Uh -huh. And uh, I hear a familiar tune and make a specific. You can even say what the song is, you know. Yeah. I, I hear this this tune and uh, it feels very familiar, uh, but it, something was just off about it. And then you start realizing that it's a cover of a song that uh, maybe you didn't even like it. It could have been something that you just, you, you know, it sticks in your hair. Like uh, yeah. if, you, if you had hair. It's, it's, you know, st sticks in uh, your, your wig, like bubble gum, you know, uh -huh. uh, can't get it out of there. And so, you know, set up the piece like that, where uh, it has more context to it. And then, you know, talk about rushing home and being like, I got, I got to listen to the original to make sure that I, it's not me. Yeah. You know, yeah. make sure it's not, I'm 
not make sure my my brain isn't uh interpreting music in a different way now yeah you know yeah but yeah i think uh you know i think there's definitely something to the premise yeah for sure thank you and i'm 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 thinking about i'm thinking about a couple other things like you know um you know i i i thought i I could have swore I smelled toast, you know, just something, you <laughs> right, know, right, something right. stroke related. And right, right. And, and start going through your, start going through your stroke symptom list. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I really want to incorporate my, um, hatred for Jimmy Buffett in that too, and make like Margaritaville, the, the song that they, the, that I heard from the cover band, and I hate it so much, but I have to go home and listen to it just to make sure that I didn't have a stroke. And yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate Jimmy Buffett too. So yeah, all right. Content. <laughs> My girlfriend uh, sometimes she'll sing at Cheeseburger in Paradise. Uh, her kids think it's so funny. <laughs> uh, but my sister Deanna is actually straight up parrot head material oh like she she loves jimmy buffett and it really uh it's troubling to me it is it is it's uh i've i've got some uh family members that are parrot heads and i'm like no can't do it can't do it no right we we absolutely cannot hang out so um no it's it sucks yeah You know, uh, between that, I, I thought I could do Hotel California, too, because that's one of my least favorite songs. But uh, I hate that song, too, man. Yeah, yeah it's you, you and me. Yeah, my girlfriend loves that one. We're like the same person. Um, yeah, I'm telling, I'm telling you, when it comes to that, I, I can't hang. I, I hate the fucking Eagles. Uh, yeah. And I have no problem. I'll scream it from a mountaintop. Yeah. Yeah, but if you take Joe Walsh out of the, out of there on his own, I like some Joe Walsh stuff. Yeah, life's been good. I yeah. Love that. Jam. yeah, and all the James Gang stuff. That was good. Yeah. So I know you're a music guy, and, and I know this is a comedy podcast, but I just want to I want to find out if you can, um, if we agree on other stuff, too. So what's your uh, favorite post-punk band? Uh, post-punk? Probably yeah. a birthday party. Okay. Nick Cave's, okay. Uh, Nick Cave's uh, yeah. band right after the boys next door. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that he had a band before the birthday party. But yeah, I love, uh, you know what I mean? Technically, like early cure, I really like. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would say, yeah, those ones, but birthday party probably. That's okay. my go to. I still, I still listen to like Mutiny and release the bats like, yeah, every year at least once, you know. He's like one of the, best songwriters that we've ever had completely yeah i couldn't agree more yeah i mean he just tears your heart out yeah i just saw him yeah my gal and i just saw him uh maybe four or five months ago Uh and uh incredible show yeah still just as good as he's ever been mine uh so mine i keep going back to jesus and mary Chain. it's oh yeah really really good yeah. yeah That's another one that's right in that wheelhouse. Yeah. I I I will listen to Darklands front to back every day if I can. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love them too. Cool. Well, I tell you what, I have really enjoyed getting to know you and uh, you know, I'm a fan and uh I I it would be great if you and uh Brian come to uh Huntsville sometime so I can see the double header. 
my camera's gone off. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, that's all right. Can you can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I don't know how much comedy is going on. Like, do they have a proper comedy club in Huntsville? I'd yeah. love to go down there. Yeah, we've got a stand up live, and it attracts some pretty good names. I would love to go to Huntsville. I think we've heard Conrad Thompson uh, lives down in Huntsville. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would love to make it down there. Yeah, and and if you I'll, don't bring I'll, Brian, I'll talk to him. Yeah, if you don't bring Brian, then you come and uh, uh, you can stay at the house when you come. So I would love it. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, cool. Um, as far as uh, anything that you want uh, the listeners to check out from you, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, talk a little uh, bit about your podcast, all that. Yeah, I'm at hipstrocracy. Uh, so on Instagram and Twitter, follow me there. Go listen to my records on Spotify. Got two of them. Uh, if you live in Richmond, Virginia, we're going to be at the Sandman Comedy Club October 20th through the 22nd, me and Brian Posehn. And then uh, we'll also be in Sacramento December 1st through 3rd. People that live in Austin, Texas, I'll be headlining the Belvedere Room November 4th and 5th. Uh, three shows. And uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, just uh, keep coming out and supporting live comedy. Excellent. And folks, get vaccinated. Yeah, for sure. Um, make sure um, make sure you check out the show notes because some of the bits that I talked about, I will put in the show notes so you can study them and there will be a test afterwards. All right. Yeah. It's great. Ed. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much, it's man. It's been I great getting it. to know super, you. Super fun. Yeah. I'm going to go off live here.